Let's do some exploring. Our topic is compassionate capitalism, not ordinary capitalism, the compassionate kind. Does that sound like utopia? Strictly woo? Is it even possible? Let's dig in. Exploring compassionate capitalism is all about putting a human face on business and ensuring that what we do is in the highest good for all. Today is the fourth and final episode in a series I hope you found very enlightening. Now, this series began with the premise that many of us work from home, and since working and living in our homes was not what our homes were originally designed and built for, maybe there's a better way. So we are speaking with Andy Pace, and he is a worldwide expert on green and healthy building products and services. As a founder of the oldest healthy building supply company in the U.S., Andrew has become one of the single most helpful and educational experts dealing with day-to-day concerns of those individuals who suffer from allergies, asthma, and chemical sensitivities. And yes, all the ways you can connect with Andy yourself are in the show notes. Today we cover two topics that most of us feel shame about. Can I ask about mold in a bathroom? Sure. It's a very common problem. I'm sure all of us have it. What is the best way to rid? What is the safest way or the healthy way to get rid of mold if we're not supposed to use all these chemicals? Well, the the easiest way to get rid of the mold is to get rid of the food source of the mold. And the food source of the mold is, so so imagine um, your bathroom, get out of the shower, there's steam everywhere. That steam has to go somewhere, right? Yep. Sticks to the walls. Yep. And eventually it dries. But what does it leave onto the wall? It leaves onto the wall little bits and pieces of soap and dead skin cells. It's not just steam from the water, but it's steam that's coming out of the shower as you're, you're washing soap and dead skin cells that sticks to the walls, sticks to the ceiling. Right. And so eventually your every house has mold spores in it. It's, it's impossible to have a house without mold spores because we bring it in on our shoes and our clothes. Right. So forth. Um, so eventually those spores end up in the bathroom and they find it a very conducive environment to start to, to, uh, um, to populate, right? <laughs> <laughs> because look at this. I mean, we've got all this food here. It's nice and warm and it's nice and, and wet in here. Perfect environment for mold to grow. So a, you have to have, you have to have a, a, a ventilation fan in the bathroom on the ceiling, yeah, and it has to vent to the outside of the house, not to the attic, but to the outside of the house, and it has to run during the shower and at least twenty minutes after. Twenty minutes after. Yes. Okay. Yep. Matter of fact, in most of my new builds now, I'll recommend a product called Panasonic WhisperSense, which is a um, a, a fan that automatically detects humidity and just goes on automatically and shuts off when that humidity is gone. Now, what about people who live in apartments? Um, would they be served by having a dehumidifier in the bathroom then? Yeah, I mean, so uh, first off, you know, the there's the old school of of doing things, which is 
most building code back in the day said that if you have a bathroom, a window in the bathroom, you don't need a fan because you can just open up the window. Well, they realized that doesn't work because steam rises, right? And you still get mold. And so um, the, 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 the window doesn't really help much. In an apartment, um, yeah, opening up the window will help a little bit, but then having a dehumidifier, having a fan, just having a fan in there to blow air around, it keeps the steam from rising and sticking to a surface because the air is constantly moving. So there's less likely a chance for those, for those particles to adhere to a surface. Okay. So think, think of in a bathroom, we talk about mold in a bathroom. What we're actually dealing with mainly is what's called mildew. Mildew is also mold, but it's a surface mold that doesn't have roots. Mildew can be easily wiped off using, um, a whole myriad of different cleaners, even just, you know, Dawn dish soap in, in warm water, you can get rid of mildew. Um, mildew can turn into mold by growing roots into the surface if it's left unchecked. And so that is the surface mold or mildew caused by the, just the air environment of the high humidity and the no ventilation. There's also a problem in bathrooms with serious mold that occurs behind showers, behind bathtubs, because the materials used in waterproofing those walls was inferior to what we have now. And you, if you have, let's say, um, tile in your shower on the walls, you develop over time these little micro cracks in the grout and moisture will eventually start to wick through those cracks They'll get into the backer board, which is typically a cement board, and the cement board acts as a wick and it pulls it all the way back to the wood studs. Now, this is going to take 10 years, 15 years, maybe even longer for mold to develop, but mold will develop. It's, it's almost impossible if these older materials that were used, um, it's almost impossible to find a, a bathroom built 20 years ago that doesn't have mold behind the, you know, the walls because of these inferior building materials used. And so now what we have are different types of waterproofing materials that protect against this. I think I can speak for all of us. That was the most amazing <laughs> lesson on mildew and mold. We have ne I, I have never ever learned that, read that. <laughs> Thank you for that little nugget. I mean. <laughs> you know, oh, you're welcome. And, and honestly, you know, talk about things we do in our home. I mean, the bathroom itself, I mean, just just ventilating, keeping the walls clean. You know, every once in a while, wipe down the walls with a little bit of soap and wa warm water, you know, just just to wash the walls. Again, you have that steam that, that, that soap scum and dead skin cells sticks under the walls. This is why if you've ever gone to repaint a bathroom and the paint peels after about six months to a year, people always complain that, oh, I must have used lousy paint. Something's wrong with the paint itself. No, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that when you repaint a bathroom wall, people normally forget to wash the walls first. And what you're doing is you're painting over old soap that we don't see. The water in the paint actually re-emulsifies the soap, and now the paint sticks to itself, but not to the wall. And eventually it just peels off. Do you have any tips um, for those of us working from home in the kitchen? Because I think the kitchen has to be the next cesspool of stuff 
So mm-hmm. how do you, do, what, what are your recommendations for kitchens? Well, a lot of the same things for the bathroom, but I will say the biggest issue we deal with right now in kitchens would be, again, it's ventilation. You know, this is a common theme throughout the last 45 minutes of us talking. It certainly it's ventilation, has been. Right? Yeah, ventilation seems yeah. to be key here. But, you know, in the last couple of months, you've heard an awful lot of discussion around about how there are some lawmakers who are interested in banning the use of gas stoves. Yes. Yes. All right. And ultimately, the reason why gas stoves are problematic is because of the fact that we don't use ventilation properly in our houses. If you have a 36-inch wide gas range, you know, a six-burner, you know, one of these big um, professional ranges, the range hood above should also be 36 inches wide. Sometimes what happens in, in designing kitchens, the kitchen designer says, well, I don't like the look of that big thing. Let's make it a little bit smaller so I can fit more cabinetry in there, make it look a little nicer. And maybe it does look a little nicer, but now you're actually starting to poison the occupants of the home. Because every time you turn on a gas burner, you should have the, the hood on too. Matter of fact, the way to go is, and if you talk to any professionals in the industry, they'll say, when somebody asks, when should I turn on my burner? The response will be, before you start cooking. When you get into the kitchen, turn the fan on, turn the exhaust fan on. Now, turn on your burners and start cooking. The reason for that is you have to create that convection current, all right? And if you turn on after the fact, you've already let all this pollutant go into the home. Like people usually just turn the fan on because, oh, it's getting smoky. I should probably turn this fan on. But think of all the combustion of the gas. Where is that combustion going? It's going right into the house unless you have that fan on. So um, in, in the in the two weeks where this was a huge national issue about about um, uh, banning the gas, banning these gas stoves. I wrote article after article in, in publications about how you don't have to ban the stoves. Just teach people how to put a switch on. That's all you got to do. Cause if you turn that switch on all the problems of the gas stove go away. I mean, except of course, if you have a leak in the gas line, that's a different story, but the stove itself is perfectly healthy. As long as you use a ventilation fan all the time when you're cooking and it's sized correctly for the range. Wow. <laughs> Side note, I have a gas a gas stove, and everything you've just said is 100% true. Every time I turn yeah. those burners on, yeah, there, you can see it, you can feel it, you can smell it. Oh, yep. and I could just, I can get rid of all that by turning that. Nobody, yep. nobody have... tells us that in the store no. when we go and buy this stuff. Well, because they... People think that a that a range hood is only to get rid of smoke that's rid of caused smoke. from the yes. food. Yes. Right. But in the five minutes it takes for the for that pan to heat up and start to smoke, it's also is combusting all this natural gas. And then everything that's coming off of the pan while it's heating up. And you have to be able to ventilate that stuff out too. So yes, proper way to use a range hood is when you get into the kitchen, turn on the range hood. Now Start preparing your food, but don't turn the range hood on after you've already turned on your, your, your range itself. Have you got any thoughts about uh, smellies and air fresheners and all that kind of stuff lying around the house? 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> Why am I, I have, not surprised? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have I have helped numerous clients over the years remediate homes that have had these um, Febreze sticks and so forth all over the house yes. because th- those odors are they're they're um, synthetic chemicals that absorb into drywall, absorb into cabinetry. Very very hard to get out of a home once you have them in there, especially for for people who use them for years. Um, the synthetic chemicals are, are notorious for taking decades to eventually come out of these surfaces. So anytime there's a plug-in situation with a client, I'll, I'll tell them right off the bat, this is going to be a process. This may take a year to, to finally figure out because you have to go through each and every room, every wall meticulously to seal up using special types of sealers, uh, maybe even sometimes having to replace things because you can never get those odors to come out. Well then, okay, for those of us that like to have pleasant smelling houses, what is your best advice to keeping it pleasantly smelling? So besides again, it comes, yeah, ventilation is, is of, of key, of course, but then it comes down to why is the home not pleasantly smelling? You know, what's what's causing that unpleasant aroma? And so is it because of the food that was cooked last night? Well, ventilation hoods being used properly solve that. Okay. Uh, is it because of um, there's a musty smell in the basement? Well, it's probably a mold situation uh, or uh, a moisture situation in the basement that we have to take care of. Um, you know, th- there's all these aromas that we get bombarded with on a daily basis, but if you start to break it down, where do these aromas come from? It's usually because we're not doing something right in their houses. And over the years, that's just, you develop your own house smell. You walk into anybody's home and they, every home has a different smell. And it's a combination of the things we do on a daily basis. And then people try to hide the odors or what's called mask the odors with other chemicals. And that's what these, these plugins do. It's a, it's a chemical masking agent to get rid of the odor that's problematic, but ultimately it leads to a bigger problem because you're just adding more into that chemical soup. So ventilation purification helps tremendously. Um, the use of essential oils, I'm sort of, agnostic on I, I think that if you use them correctly they can be helpful but correctly means only up to 15 minutes a day because the human body is not supposed to have more than that um, a, a you know a, a limbic system can get a, a negatively affected by more than 15 minutes of direct um, con, uh, 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 direct con, yeah with uh, with these types of essential oils can cause um, some serious effects with some people depends on, you know, their, their, um, their genetics, but, you know, so I'd say use them sparingly if you have to use them. This has been absolutely fascinating. Um, it's something that I don't, I mean, you're absolutely right. I don't think most of us understand at all. We haven't been taught it. We like, wow, this is, this is really really new stuff it's not cutting edge for you i get that but it's it's cutting edge for all of us all of us who have to hear it for the first time we're going oh my god and i'm and i'm thinking about all the 
people that have had these chemical sensitivities for years and years are finally going, yay, you get me. I'm, I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really not making this up. That's correct. That's exactly right. I mean, this is, the fact is, is that a lot of these things are fairly easy to take care of and some things are a little more difficult, but you know, it is, um, it's something we can all do and it doesn't have to be very expensive. We can just start making healthier choices in the home. Now, before we finish this episode, I'd like to summarize what Andy has shared with us. Number one, you do not have to gut and renovate your home to make it human friendly. Number two, you simply need to look at things a bit differently. And that's what I call change your thinking for the better. First, Begin with acknowledging that ventilation is not just for schools and hospitals. It's for homes as well. And having an energy efficient home means you lack proper ventilation. So open up those windows and install fans in the kitchen and the bathroom. Second, our air isn't clean anymore. So buy yourself one or two air purifiers. One for the room you sleep in, one for your home office. I personally am amazed at the difference one of these makes. Third, remove the really harsh cleaning chemicals from your home. Yes, they work and often very well. However, they also do damage to our breathing capacity. Where mold in the bathroom is concerned, think clean the mildew first so that it does not become mold. The last step is every home and home office will have a unique smell. If you find it offensive, dig deep to find that root cause or ground zero. Stop with the smellies and the maskers and determine whatever is sitting at ground zero. And hint, mold is often in the basement and fans do an amazing job when used for things other than clearing smoke. <laughs> leave your bathroom fan on for 20 minutes after you leave and turn your oven fan on before you begin cooking and leave it on for 15 minutes after you finish cooking. These two things alone have kept my house smelling great. So as you can see, I have tried Andy's suggestions and I notice a huge positive difference in my home office and in my home. You know, I conclude every podcast with the same thing. If we knew the unintended consequences of the thoughts and actions we took 20, 30, 50, 75, 100, even 200 years ago, I believe we would ask for a do-over. And since we can't do a do-over, what we must do now is a do-better. And that do better must be in the highest good of all. This four-part series is proof positive. This is, in fact, the best way forward.